Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Video and Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell, and we'll continue to bring you information before, during, and after divorce and the issues for guys that are facing those challenges, including modifications and paternities and contempts. And today is no different. We're going to talk about something we have not really gone into depth in, and that is military divorce. And we're joined by our frequent guest, uh, Cassandra. Welcome. Thank you, Scott. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to make sure that everyone understands. So obviously, in any particular issues that we talk about, uh, no attorney-client privileges uh, here. We want to make sure you get a consult when you need a consult. Uh, this is really designed for educational and informational and really to spur a conversation that you should have with an attorney, especially one that just practices exclusively in family law, like we do at Cordell and Cordell. And, and in this particular issue, when it deals with military divorce, we have attorneys from across the country that deal with some of those issues and familiarities. And this is near and dear to your heart, I know. And so let's just kind of jump right in. But if before, obviously, if you need a consult, um, you're thinking you might need one, and after you hear this, you know you need one. Give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW. Find us on the web at cordellcordell.com. And don't forget to turn into our virtual town hall. We'll have another one this September. I think it's in the third week of September, so check it out. Uh, you can go to the YouTube page, find some of our previous virtual town halls, or you can go to our Facebook page, or you can check us on the web again, and you can register for that virtual town hall coming up in September at cordellcordell.com. All right, let's talk about military divorce. And, you know, it's it's interesting guys that just aren't in the military, or even if you are, they may say, well, isn't it the same as a, as a normal divorce? It's for a, a civilian. So is it the same? It's not the same. And I think that's where it gets it misinterpreted because the paperwork, yes, the general paperwork you file is the same. What you put in the paperwork is different. How you negotiate is different. Um, the things that affect them are going to affect a civilian completely differently. So we have to look at all of these things that are really near and dear to our service members' hearts and their real lives that are completely different than a civilian's life. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, it's interesting because uh, there are a lot of issues that come up, and I know the one that's always, for me, it's front of mind is retirement. That's always a different scenario because we have different particularities regarding the retirement, the rules, and and there's things regarding custody and support. So let's take those three one by one and, and have you walk through uh, for guys that are listening right now that either are in the military or know someone in the military. They're going to take some notes and they're going to get to them and say, look, hey, you got some issues here that are different than run-of-the-mill civilian divorce. So let's talk about custody and, and how some of the uh, issues that affect people in the military. That sounds good. I, if we could start with custody, I think that that yeah. would be a perfect segue. Um, we, have, we have laws in California that protect our service members when they deploy. So I know a lot of states have these rules that say, okay, well, if mom's had the kid for so long, then mom should have him because dad's been deployed. Well, California has specific statutes and case law that says, hey, dad's deployments don't count against him as time he didn't have these children because he didn't do this on his own. This is something that even in our office, we won many times in court when mom's saying, well, I've had the child more. The time that the dad was gone doesn't count. So it's really important to know what the rules are in your jurisdiction and to be able to argue those statutes because sometimes the judges aren't looking at that. They're not realizing there's this rule, there's this, there's this law that they have to follow. And so these are things that need to be pointed out um, to the court sometimes, which you know we have to gently nudge them in the way 
um, especially newer judges that haven't been in family law or don't know their own military law. So the other issues that affect our military members is because they move around so much, there is a general idea that a lot of the military wives will stay home. And so the service members go sometimes six in the morning to six at night. Sometimes they fly, sometimes they're on trips. And so when we're talking about a strategy moving forward, we're gonna wanna make sure that our service members are taking more time with their children and taking more time out of their general day. And I, most of their commands are understanding and cognizant of this, because if you're working 18 to 20 hours a day and you're never home, the service members' wives tend to use this to their advantage, especially when they want to move the child out of California back to their state of residency. So we want to make sure we're being an equal parent as much as possible and on the weekends um, so that they can't say you're not involved. You're not, a, you're not somebody that's around the children. Yeah, the constant change, it's like uh, I know that when I've represented uh, first responders, uh, firefighters, where they their uh, schedule changes frequently, maybe every 30 days, and they may have an overnight shift. Uh, it is a challenge, and I think just like military, I think that's something that needs to be considered uh, to make sure that, as you suggest, you're, you're talking about what it is the strategy you're going to implement and providing even provisions in the, in the judgment that afford or kind of look to those perhaps longer schedules, longer work hours, whatever it may be. And I think that, as you suggest early on, judges just aren't familiar with it. It's very interesting, particularly if you're not on the coast or you're not near a military base, so you may be in San Diego or in Virginia Beach. Uh, here in Missouri, now we have a base that's about maybe an hour away, but I can tell you that in experience where we've represented uh, military, they just don't have the familiarity. So you need a lawyer that knows military law, that knows how to deal with it, and can bring that to the attention of the judge in, in a gentle manner. Uh, and I think it's a very important, especially when it revolves around custody, because uh, judges just don't understand it because they don't see it enough. Uh, and so if, if something is new, uh, they may tend to overreact and swing, you know, judgments and opinions in a manner that just really isn't appropriate. So I think that's, uh, as you suggest, really good uh, items that you mentioned. Now let's talk about uh, support differences, kind of what uh, issues you may face with someone in the military dealing with support. So in California, we have a calculator that we actually plug in gross income, we plug in percentage of time, and the number that comes out is the child support number. Um, for the most part. We know how to manipulate the numbers, but that's the number the court usually has to use. That includes some spousal support numbers. And so what we do when the service member comes is we run their income, we, we run the other person's, and we see what that number is going to look like. Because each branch of the military has its own set idea of how much in support a military member should be paying for their family. And if the number that they have to pay through the military is going to be smaller than California is going to ask for, we're not gonna file a motion to ask for any sort of support order because the court and, and the military will always take the court order first. So right now I have a case that does exactly what we did. Um, it's kind of a, a custody, mom took the child out of state right away while dad was at work. He comes home to an empty house, moved their whole house and moved out of state. And so what we did was we went in for to court, we got the child returned to California, but that was one of our issues was support because he was very concerned about having to pay her support and attorney's fees for things that she had done. So when his command came to him and gave him the number that they expected, we took that number and we said, all right, no problem, we'll, we'll take it. So 
then th that's different because if you didn't know that, then if you file for a support number and California is going to be higher, you're disadvantaging your client because if the support number is thousands of dollars higher from the court, we don't want to do that. So you have to just kind of know how to work these each different branch because every every command is different. Yeah, especially when something comes down from command, let's say it's upside down where they're making you pay more than than you should. I mean, I think again, it's knowledge is power. Uh, understanding what your rights are, especially particularly when it comes to military, because you're getting an order from your command, and that's, you know, we know that what that is like. It's very different, and and so I think again, it requires a consultation. You know, I always say that having a consult for an hour with one of our attorneys is probably the best time, the best money, the best investment you'll ever have. I mean, you walk away feeling better, at least knowing what to expect, what the law provides, what you can or can't do, what your strategy should look like. Um, and, and again, it's, I liken it oftentimes to you're seeing your, um, your doctor, you have a bad diagnosis, a cancer diagnosis, and, and really first thing you're going to do is you start researching. You want more information about the medications they're suggesting, the procedures that they have, whatever it may be. And that's kind of what this is. You know, we're going to go ahead and equip you with the military advice so that you know. I mean, you can get on base stuff from, from JAG, but I think it's important that you, you do this. So I think that's huge, especially when it comes to money out of pocket. You know, you've got bills to pay. It's oftentimes difficult to support a family when you're together, and it's even worse when you're separate. So now you've got to support two households. So it becomes oftentimes uh, something that's, you know, uh, a pressure for you. So let's talk about retirement. That's a big one. Um, you know, Guys often say, you know, they work their lives for this retirement and we've got to know how to divide it, what's going on, what's going to happen with the retirement. So it's very different than a standard 401k or an IRA or something where, you know, the, the, the civilians are saving, right? Yeah, it was. And you just said something that I wanted to touch on quickly is that they do have, military does have free legal on base, but the JAG officers in the United States only need to be sworn in in one state. So the JAG officer you're getting may not have any idea what your state's laws are. And they even further may not have any idea what the family law rules are in that particular state. So although you do have free legal advice, you have to be very careful about what that's being given because I've had many, many of service members come to me saying, well, base legal said X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, sorry, but base legal was wrong in California. So that's something that I just wanted to point out really quick. So with retirement, Another issue we have is being mindful of what you're asking for, even in your initial pleadings. So in California, we have a statute that says, hey, we're going to say that California doesn't have jurisdiction over retirement. Because if our service member is not home of record in California, there's case law that says they're not here for anything other than orders. So California doesn't have jurisdiction over this aspect. And sometimes it never matters. Sometimes we just settle it, but it's always a bargaining chip that if you do not put it in there, it's not going to, the court's going to say, well, you waived your right. We don't want to waive any of our rights. So that's something that you have to make sure that who you're working with knows because you're already above the curve with saying, hey, if you want to come after my retirement, you better go back to Louisiana, talk to them about it. And most people don't want to do divorce on two different fronts. So it's, it is definitely something that I've used many a times. Um, and when we're talking about military retirement, there's three kind of distinct issues involved. There's the thrift savings plan, which is TSP, which is something that you contribute yourself through the money through the military, like a 401 savings. There's your military retirement, which is what you get 20, 
you know, years plus. And then there's the disability retirement. So the difference between regular and disability is at the end of your enlistment, you can say, hey, I'm not taking the regular retirement. I'm going to take the disability retirement. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the main ones is that the disability is not taxed. So obviously you're getting a huge benefit when it's a disability. Now, when it comes to in California, when we're looking at regular retirement, disability retirement, there's a lot of Supreme Court case law saying, hey, disability retirement cannot be split. That is not, you can't do that. California cannot take this, split this. This is not something that is, is something that the court can do anything with. So depending on when you are in, where you're at in your divorce, it's really going to be important to know what is the strategy? Do we want to put something in there just about regular divorce, hoping that you're going to get the disability, and then they kind of don't, there's no recourse. And a lot of attorney, other attorneys don't know that. So when you're up against somebody that doesn't, doesn't generally do service member, you're putting in there that you'll split their retirement. That's great. And then you get to it you get to retire and then they have to either try to ask the court and the court's gonna be like, there's nothing to split. So there are some remedies before and after, but I try to make sure that we write it in, in a way that is going to hopefully cover your service member. And with the ever changing rules from the federal government about the high three and the how many years, and um, it, it's very specific and particular when, when we're doing this. And so we wanna plan, it's all about planning because everybody's in a different place in their retirement when they come to you. And some, some service members aren't even going to retire in the military. So that needs to be something that we take into account also, because if you know as your client is not going to retire in the military, you can use that as a bargaining chip to make the other party think, hey, they're getting a big chunk of this retirement. They're gonna waive something else, and then he's gonna be at 15 years like, I'm, I'm done. So there's a lot of strategy involved that needs to be understood. And this is, it's, I get so excited. I love military law and military divorce because it, these, these men are really putting their lives on the line all the time. They're leaving their families. They're moving every three years. And I want them to have the best representation we can give them because they deserve yeah, that's such a huge point because I mean, they're they are they're then you know, maybe perhaps in some circles underpaid, and retirement is everything that they're banking on, and the complications with it, and the calculations, it's huge. And we got to make sure you go to someone that's got experience in military law, like we do around the country. And I think that's uh, you know critical. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. Now, you mentioned jurisdiction. I think that's also something you and I didn't talk about off camera, but I think it's important that there's all kinds of relief about being served while you're active duty, Soldiers and Sailors Relief Act. You got to know your rights about whether or not you can have an action taken against you when you're active, you know, whether or not where it should be filed, not just where you may be stationed under orders. There's, as you alluded to, maybe Louisiana versus California. There's just so many things that need to be addressed with someone in the military who's on active duty. Uh, that you really need to just spend some time, have a consultation, find out what's going on, what you should and shouldn't do. You know, those are the three questions we've always tried to answer 
throughout, you know, when we began in COVID, which is, you know, what can I do, what should I do, and what must I do? And, and those things apply to the military as well. So I think that was a good thing to point out in jurisdiction. Yeah, I think the other thing with jurisdiction that's important to notate is where are you going to file if you've already filed and had an order but moved? So I think that that gets, that gets tricky with the UCCJEA and some of the other things. And I think that that's something that's also really exciting because it's very particular. And so you want to make sure that you're not wasting your time and your money filing somewhere where you're going to get, you're going to wait three to six months to get into court only for the judge to say, I'm sorry, we, I can't help you. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's so, I love jurisdictional issues too. And I think that's, especially when you have someone temporarily assigned to a different uh, location, uh, that's where it comes into play. And it can be a strategic thing too. Uh, I think those are, you know, very creative when you have jurisdictional in play and you want to bring someone to a different state that may be more favorable to you. And that's another thing. You want to look at the state's laws as it relates to support, what's more favorable, because they do differ drastically throughout the country, especially when it relates to spousal support. You may have states around the country that have limitations on the amount, the duration. That's huge. You know, here in Missouri, there's an, it's unlimited. There's no calculator. There's no set formula. Uh, there's no end date, perhaps, unless there's remarriage. So, you know, you can go to a Kansas or a Texas where they have limitations uh, in terms of dura duration and amount. And I think it's Tennessee is starting to trend that way as well. So uh, that's another thing to, to consider when you're looking at jurisdiction. Yeah. And I think too, even like in California, we're no fault, but there are states on the East coast that if you do have cheating involved and your spouse has doing things, then you want to make sure you take advantage of that, especially if that's going to help you as the higher earner not have to pay support. That's a big, uh, huge, um, California, they don't care who you've slept with or who right. they've slept with. It's, it's, and then you're left not wanting to leave the marriage, but you're being left. So it's one of those things where in our firm, I can call one of our attorneys on the East Coast. I can call the Pennsylvania office and say, hey, here's, here's the outline of what's going on. What would, they, what would happen there? So I can make sure that our clients know, hey, this is what's going to happen there. And not all firms have that availability and that open access to, like, in two seconds, I can get another attorney. Right. And a good attorney knows going to know what they're doing. And so that's one of the huge things that I love about our firm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think like you mentioned Georgia's one where if you can prove infidelity, it could be a bar to spousal support. Missouri, you can use some misconduct to divide disproportionately your property. Even though we're no fault, the judges will allow it. I mean, all kinds of things come into play that generally for all guys facing divorce, but now even more particularly when you are dealing with some military retirement, you could use these as some strategic moves to try to, to keep some military offset with other things. So I think it's important. So. That's all the time we have. Thanks for, for joining uh, and bringing this excellent topic to, to guys via this podcast. Thank you, Scott. You know, as always, we'll continue to bring this to you twice each week, and we bring a, a different Cordell and Cordell attorney uh, to you to bring you these topics as we continue down the road through COVID and beyond COVID. We'll continue to do this. Again, turn into our virtual town hall coming up in September. You want to register, so there's only limited space, so you want to make sure to go online at cordellcordell.com find more information about the topic coming up in September and go ahead and get registered but you'll have an opportunity to ask questions live of our Cordell attorneys. So check us out on the web at cordellcordell.com or give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW to further up with some more information if you're in the military or you're a guy facing divorce or have questions after divorce. Until next time, have a great week.